So, welcome to the Investment Cuddle, episode 14. I'm Gary, and I'm here with Philip. And today, on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about how to invest. And we covered this for people that maybe haven't looked looked at the earlier podcast. I think episode one, we talked a little bit about it, and in a lot more detail around vehicles to invest in, in episode three. But today, we wanted to look at probably one of the least interesting topics from a point of view that anybody wants to ever talk about it will be probably one of your biggest outgoings in your life and that's tax so we want to look at those tax allowances and see how best to use the tax allowances that are given to us so philip what what's your uh, what's your view on tax i pay a reasonable amount of it and i don't necessarily want to give a blank check to the Chancellor of the Exchequer. I want to pay what I legally have to, but not necessarily much more than I legally have to. Well, yeah, so I suppose without going down a rabbit hole, we've got the uh, the joys of um, tax avoidance. Tax evasion. And tax evasion. So and even the Chancellor of the Exchequer gets this wrong in the past. So the former is allowed. Sport. And the latter is illegal with an increasingly dim view from Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC. So I think what we look at when we talk about tax avoidance, it is purely around making sure that you use the allowances that are available. Yes, it's all about planning and using what you're allowed to claim. The other one is basically just ignoring it and just not paying at all. So... There's a range of allowances, so we're not going to cover inheritance tax today, just because inheritance tax kind of falls out the remit of what we thought we would cover around how to invest. But nevertheless, inheritance tax is really important. Again, it's one of those ones where people don't tend to think much about their estate until they're so far down the road in their life that actually it might be too late there's so a, there's a famous joke about inheritance tax it's paid only paid by those who refuse to plan so there's a good example we'll, we'll maybe steer clear of inheritance tax for the day so yeah i think when you look at the tax allowances the ones i'm aware of are income tax capital gains dividend so that'll be on stocks and shares and there was one other you were talking about earlier there's cash savings and the final one ices and pensions they're the big ones that, for most people, affect them. Right. Let's maybe start with the first one on the list, which is income tax. Again, depending on when you listen to the podcast, you've got a an allowance around any money that you earn. Whether you're a, a pay-as-you-earn, sort of PAYE person, or self-employed, the tax allowances are the same. But you have an allowance as soon as you're born, which is very underutilised. So we're not talking about child labour here, are we? we no, no, no. Away from that. A child has a tax allowance. It just doesn't use it because it rarely gets an income. Right. So tax, tax allowance in terms of income tax is about £12,500. There or thereabouts, depending on which year you listen to this. Capital gains another... About 10000 or 11000 depending on which year. £12,500. Okay. Dividend tax allowance is £2,000. So a little bit lower, but that's the dividend on stocks and shares income and funds. The savings one... This is a little different because it depends on what your marginal tax rate is. If you're a basic rate taxpayer, you have a £1,000 of savings interest you can get tax-free. If you're a high rate taxpayer or a super taxpayer, it's £500. Okay. I like that that one, though, because what they're paying at the moment, 0.1% on your savings. Okay, so taking those, and we'll hold the, the, the perhaps the ISA and pension thoughts just at the moment, but we've got 
income tax, capital gains, dividend and savings, that gets you, even with my maths, to £28,000 a year of tax allowance before you have to give the Chancellor a penny. That doesn't sound like a bad income, does it? After If, if you t- took that after tax, Philip, that's not a bad, bad if, salary. If you can plan for it to get that way, that's not bad. But also, that's per person. If you're married or in a civil partnership, there's two of you. So if you can plan it correctly, so you can double that. Right, so that's, yeah, even I can do that maths. So that's a £50,000 plus per year tax allowance, which kind of feels that if people are bringing in that sort of money, and okay, a lot of people will earn more than £12,500 of income every year, but if you're bringing in a capital gain of more than 12500 and dividends of £2,000 and you've got... Let's know if you're not thinking about the savings. <laughs> £1,000 with the interest rates at the moment. But lots of people are not going to get anywhere near those. So mm-hmm. if you are not using those allowances, you should be. I guess if, if people are not aware of those numbers, it's worthwhile making sure that you're not paying more tax than you should because essentially any gains that you make that aren't taxable will be re- could be reinvested. And you know, we, we, know, we know about the joys of compound interest. Right, but go. really understood even by math, mathematical people. So you talked earlier on about ISAs and allowances. I it's not necessarily a tax allowance, I guess, but... It's a tax wrapper. So it's similar to a pension in one sense. It's a wrapper around a savings vehicle. But it's very different compared to a, a very polar difference of what happens with pensions on how you're taxed. With an ISA, they effectively say the money goes in is taxed, but the money that comes out isn't. So what I mean by that is, you've had a wage and you've saved from it, so you've paid national insurance and income tax off that. So it's been post-tax. You put it into an ISA. If it gets any capital growth in there or it gets any dividends in there, you don't pay any more UK tax when you take it out. So you can, if you build your ISA big enough and it pays you regular dividends, they're tax-free. Now, if you're investing in foreign shares, other countries will still tax you you can only it's only tax free from UK sources of tax, not foreign tax. But still, at least you don't pay it three times or quadruple times. So because you've got that, over a long period of time you could build up a sizable ISA pot and get quite a large tax free money out of it. The difference between that and a pension is pension, it's tax free going in. So if it's in your company scheme, it's the money's taken directly out of your pay before it's taxed and shoved straight in there. If you're doing it in a private scheme, 20% is immediately put back in there because it's come out of your taxable income. And later on, if you are a higher rate taxpayer, through self-assessment, you can claim the rest of the tax back. But the very difference is it goes in tax-free, but what comes out the back is taxable income. Once your pension money per goes above your allowance for the year, it's taxable. So what you can do is you might not necessarily want to put all your eggs into your pension nest egg. Another thing is a strategy is there's two of you, you and your spouse, or you and your civil partner. You both have pensions, what you want to do, and you both have a tax allowance, an income tax allowance, when you retire. What you don't want is one of you to have all the pension rights. Split it because that's inefficient. So you can both earn 12 grand a year before you pay tax. So therefore you want to try and spread your pension rights between the two of you so therefore as a couple you can earn 24,000 before you pay tax. So there's several planning things such as example going well do I want to put AVCs into my pension? You're going maybe not. Is it better to pay it into theirs relative to yours because actually 
yours is bigger than theirs and you want to and at the end you want to you want to even it out another one could be going well I'm going to be well over my 12,000 a year maybe it's better to put the AVCs into an ISA and use the income out of that when I retire because that's tax free right so you said you said a term there AVC sorry additional voluntary contributions above what you and your employer are already paying right so this is you're allowed to put extra money into a pension pot see what you can do per year is you can put the amount of money you earn that year into your pension right so yeah so i guess stepping back from this you're looking at you've got your immediate tax allowances but you've also got your pension and your individual savings account, your ISA allowances, and it's probably worth, before you go leaping off and putting money into a, an investing platform or you know starting a pension, is to step back and actually say, what do you really want out of some of this stuff? Because That's right, because some of this will take many years to plan. For example, maybe you have an inheritance from one of your parents and it's greater than your £20,000 a year allowance. Now... Ideally, you probably, if you want to save it, put it into an ISA. But if, say, you've got an inheritance of £50,000, you can't put it into your ISA in year one. You've got to do it. You can do 20 year one, 20 in year two, and 10 in year three. So you have to plan ahead. Similar if you're paying into uh, your spouse's pension, you've got to plan for that. You can't all do it the year before you retire. Yeah, so you can look at phasing that money in, but I think what you're saying is that it's really important to look at the best way of getting that money into a tax wrapper because either you're going to get tax on the way in or tax on the way out or both. Okay, so we talked about the ISA allowance there. You mentioned pension as well. So what allowances do we get around pension? Well, every UK citizen who resides in the UK uh, for tax purposes can pay into a pension even if they do not earn anything that year. So whether it's your spouse or your silver partner or your child can pay into a pension even when they don't have an income. So for example, if you wanted to do that, you could pay £2,880 into their pension for them. The pension provider will claim back £720 of basic rate tax relief, bringing up the total per year to £3,600. Now that's quite a lot of money and that's quite more than some people pay in to their pensions and that's the maximum you can pay into a pension even if you don't earn anything that year so that can be a good way of offsetting if all the pension rights with you or if you want to give something to your children that they won't um, should we say burn on their 18th birthday because they can't touch the money in their pension till 10 years before their statutory retirement age Okay, so you're paying 80p and the government are giving you 20p? Yes. In the pound, yeah. Yes. So, effectively, you're getting 20% tax relief extra on the money you're paying into their pension. Right. Because they've not earned it. It's coming, effectively, off your... Indirectly, your, it's a rebate free from you. So, yeah, even if you're earning £30,000 in a year, that's 10% of your salary going into a pension, which a lot of people won't be doing anyway. But yeah. that's... So that's some way of viewing it, and that's one okay. way going, if you have been given a legacy, you can slowly put that, that way in, even though if your partner or your children don't earn that year. And it's something that most people don't realise. Another one to do with pensions is, what most people don't realise is, they always see the headline figure, you can access, you can take the pension at 55. It's not totally correct. What the law says is you can take your pension 10 years before your statutory retirement age. So depending on when you're born, depends on whether you retire at 65, 66, 67 or 68. 
Now I'm of the age group where I, my statutory retirement age is 68, which means I can only access my pension early from the age of 58, 10 years before my statutory retirement age. If I touch it before that date, I get quite punitive tax rates. Some are a reward of some between 50 to 60%. So that, and the reason is so you don't become a burden on the state by burning it too early. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought I thought you were, I thought everybody in the show was twenty seven, Phil. Unfortunately, not quite. Because <laughs> if I was 40, if I was twenty seven, the probably statute retirement age is probably closer to seventy yeah, by the time yeah. we actually get to there. Okay. So that's something else that people don't realise. So if you want to retire early, you need another vehicle that isn't your pension to do it. Of which an ISA is an opportunity. So you can save that to use that to pay for that maybe that two year gap from fifty five you want to retire before you can actually start drawing on your pension without punitive tax rates. Yeah, I guess it's an interesting point, isn't it? If you are you're putting money into a pension, hopefully you're putting money into a pension for your retirement. But increasingly, people are going to see gaps in income where they'll retire before their statutory date. As you said, you know, if someone's retiring at 67 and they leave work at 65 because it still seems to be tradition or earlier. But in that example, you've got a two-year gap in income. So for a lot of us, two years of no incomes kind of a problem so i think yeah therefore the isa which you talked about earlier on as providing that non-taxable income on the way out we said it's 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 free of tax at least for the time being and it's useful because it's non-taxed for example if you wanted to earn say thirty thousand, you've got 12 and a half grand tax allowance 20 percent of that's Straight away goes in income tax, and over 11% goes in national insurance. So when you scale it back, you you'll only be taking home 24,575. Now, if it's tax-free coming out of your ISA, it's the same as earning 30,000 pounds. Yeah, which is a big difference, isn't it? Yeah. You know that 31% tax by the time you add those together. Yeah. Is significant for anybody. It's hard-earned, and if you don't have to give it away. Or have it taken because it's above a certain allowance, then why would you? But it also shows that you can earn less money with the same take-home pay, which is what most people forget. So if you'd had a different balance between, let's say, an ISA and a, and a pension pot, you might have avoided that £5,000 worth of tax. Might. Yes. So but therefore you can earn or take less, you need less in your ISA to pay for that for those two years or if it gives you an income stream. You don't need as much to have the same purchasing power as you would have done if you had an income of 30000 Okay. So so I think on that, when you look at the ISA allowance and the pensions allowances, as well as the pension uplift, I think we can probably class it as an uplift, that 20%, mm-hmm. or 20, 20p in the pound that uh, you can claim by paying into a pension. It's probably important to step back from this, as we were saying earlier, and just have a look at where you are, where you are if you've got a partner, so you can then look at the total allowances and do some planning because and decide what you want to do or what you want to do or what age and then you can plan accordingly so it is tax efficient for what you want to do at that age all right so again for i think just it's probably worth recommending that people look at their allowances because it will depend on your individual circumstances to what allowances you have some of those that we've talked about today are fairly broad ranging if you're paye or self-employed Plus, everybody's got their capital gains and dividends allowances. Okay, well, thanks to Philip, and we'll see you next time.
programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.